tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Okay. <laughs> you ready? Yes. Okay, here, you're there. Stop it! <laughs> Stop it? Yes. S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So... I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. Yes. Then stop it! I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, no, no. No, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop it. <laughs> All right, well, we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, first, I want to say again, thank you so much for joining us online. Uh, it's actually a kind of an exciting day, uh, though it doesn't feel very excited in the room. Um, Infused Church actually started five years ago to this day um, with 12 people in a coffee shop. And today, there's nine of us meeting in a closed church building. So if that's not the definition of progress, I don't know what is. In fact, I think we've kind of, in a way, come a little full circle, uh, if you don't ask me. And in a way, I kind of think that's a perfect metaphor for what we've all been kind of experiencing in the last two weeks, uh, where we might be feeling a bit of whiplash, like what just happened or what is happening? I mean, two weeks ago, uh, the world celebrated um, when we would get out of our house, work hard, nonstop, and never take a break. And now the world celebrates us if we stay home and stay away from other people. Two weeks ago, to hang out was to go over and see someone and spend time together, and now hanging out is a Zoom meeting or a FaceTime chat or something of that nature. And now we have to physically avoid those, uh, uh, those people in our lives that we hold to be the closest because we care about them. I, I don't know about you, but I was pretty excited this week when I saw um, one dollar gas again. I never thought, in fact, I'd see that ever again. And so I was pretty excited about it until I got to the pump and I looked at this thing right here. Do you know what this is? And I said, I'm not sure if I want to touch that. Maybe you can empathize with me. You're excited about some of these things, but uh, others uh, you're more or less concerned over. And I think that's kind of appropriate for this new series that we're going into, uh, especially uh, in this new series th that we're calling Tough as Nails, uh, the subtitle being Being Tough in a World of Danger. Now, I promise you, and I kid you not, we came up with this sermon and this subtitle uh, long before uh, there was even a coronavirus, and it just worked out, um, unfortunately, too perfectly to talk about an invisible danger today uh, that is a pandemic that is slowly um, bringing waves of chaos and destruction and suffering into our lives. And to be honest, anytime that I think there's danger um, in our lives, it is 
generally accompanied by a degree of uh, emotion, generally like a whirlwind of emotion. Maybe we begin with fear, and then we go to anxiety, and we go to uh, stress and anxiousness or anger or pain. Anytime that there is danger or perceived danger or especially danger that could hurt us. And many of us, that's where we find ourselves to some extent today. And, and really, I think it's quite understandable because if you think about um, all that people are going through, maybe that you yourselves are going through. Um, we have had in the last few days uh, retirements that have been uh, 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 sliced in a quarter at least. Um, many people are experiencing paychecks. Maybe you have experienced a paycheck that is no longer coming or has just been slashed significantly, or if it hasn't been slashed yet, you know that it's coming. Um, we've had people in our church who have lost loved ones and unfortunately are not able to gather together to mourn that loss as in a traditional funeral. We have healthcare workers and first responders who are beginning to understand the stress of Wayne um, being there for their family and caring for their family while at the same time realizing that they may be called to respond to something that is sweeping our nation. For some of you, you've uh, experienced a degree of isolation in your past. Maybe your day-to-day -day before this all started felt a little isolating, but now more than ever, you feel isolated. Or there's people, I realize, who are recovering from addictions and, and the struggles that accompany them, and they're used to spending time in groups and community to process through some of these temptations and struggles, and that is just unsafe now, and that connection is gone. Some of you, if not today, over the coming weeks, will experience pressure relationally that you haven't experienced in a long time with those who you have always been close to, but because of the the stress around those people in your lives, or maybe you, those relationships become frayed, or your career in general is just in question. All of these things we are all experiencing, and so I think it makes us all ask the question, especially given this series title, how in the midst of all this, how can we be tough in the midst of all of this? And that's what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks, especially leading up to Easter, is how can we be tough in the midst of all this. And I'm not talking about the fake tough, because many of us um, have uh, a real skill at pretending about ignoring the realities of life and things um, happening in our life and just going on as normal. And we do that so we can put on this veneer of um, being tougher than we actually are. Um, there are plenty of people um, who are, and, I, and maybe you've noticed this, continue to go on their daily lives as if nothing has changed. And I wonder if part of that is simply because um, we're just acting tougher, we're trying to act tougher than we are. But what if we could move through the midst of all of this, or really any struggle, not just maybe in this moment, but in our future, with making the ability to make decisions um, in a way that's patient, in a way that's full of grace and kindness and wisdom and love. Because we can pretend all we want to, but I think deep down in all of us these days especially, there is part of us that are a little concerned. In part because few of us have ever been alive at this time. We've never experienced something such like 
this before? How do we cope with all the emotions around it? Because there are emotions around this. So how can we be tough in the midst of all this, especially considering that whirlwind of emotion that I was talking about earlier in all of this that's going on and in the fear and the stress and the doubt? There, there's a part of us, I think, um, that kind of mirrors that funny video that I, I just showed at the beginning of this, where we um, tend to internally approach this with an attitude of uh, internal dialogue of just stop it. You know, we, we feel afraid or, or we're stressed or we're not sure how the future is going to work. And, and so there's a part of our inner voice that comes up and just says, well, just stop it. Stop thinking that way. Stop um, doing that. Stop feeling that way and just, just grit your teeth and get through it. Will yourself to stop feeling those feelings that you're feeling, to stop feeling the emotions that are going and swirling around in this and, and, and just act like it's all okay. That's like I just said, there's people who are going around um, because to continue to be normal, continuing to live life as if nothing was happening would mean to an extent we're just being honest, or excuse me, to go around being normal is, is a way of coping because to admit our emotions for what they are would mean we'd have to change our lives and we don't want to change our lives, so we just continue being normal. I want to suggest to you that part of being tough Part of being tough, not all of being tough, but part of being tough is being emotionally aware and honest with those emotions. Part of the equation of being tough is being emotionally aware and honest. Now, I don't want to sound too much uh, like your psychologist, and maybe you don't have a psychologist, but just imagine that you did. And I, I don't want to sound like them, but I think this is an important thing to talk about, especially as we set up for our main point today. Um, and, and to give you an example to kind of process through this, and this could be somewhat simplistic uh, of an example, but I think it kind of helps, is um, uh, our two-year-old, whom we love dearly, um, sometimes gets overwhelmed with emotion. Um, and some of you know this, uh, the age of two is not exactly the age known for great emotional awareness and honesty. Okay, so for example, I will sometimes, um, she will want milk and I will give her water because she's already had a lot of milk. And this can bring her to the place where she is flat face down on the floor in emotional turmoil over this um, event in her life. And very few of us, though it's understandable for a two-year-old, very few of us would say that is indicative of tough behavior. Because if that happened to us, if a waitress or a waiter at, at the restaurant, which I realize we don't know what that's like anymore, but if that happened, um, we, ha we were served a, a drink that was incorrect, as an adult, the solution would be to be aware and honest of our emotions. To say to the person, hey, I'm disappointed we got the wrong drink. Could we have something different? And to talk about it and honestly and uh, with great awareness communicate our emotions. However, in these moments, I think there's a tendency for us to be crippled by some of the, even the smallest things in our lives uh, when we are not emotionally aware and being honest. That our emotional awareness is not there or we choose not to be aware and honest about it and we pretend and then it brings us to a point of inner turmoil that leads to despair and sadness and feelings of loss and feelings of out of control. 
especially, and we may be able to hold it together in the small things, like if, if we get the wrong drink or we order the wrong thing, we can hold it together in those moments. But in big moments like this, when very few people have ever navigated such a thing, and every day seems like a new day, I think on these, in these moments, these big moments requires us to be and bring to the table a, a degree of toughness that we're not used to. And not just for the short term too, because some of us can put it on and, and be emotionally aware and, and honest for, for a short amount of time. But the key is if we can do this for the long term. Like we may feel okay right now because I'm sure for some of us, it just feels like, well, we're just coming off tomorrow. We're just coming off a, a or going into an extra long spring break. You know, we've made it a week. We can do this. We're going to keep going. And I think that that's still very much in the short term. Now, I am not in the business of bringing extra fear or hysteria to uh, such a thing as this pandemic. Um, but as a pastor, I feel um, exceptionally um, burdened by all of your struggles and the future that's in store for all of us. And so I would be remiss doing my job responsibly and truthfully if I did not you know, just kind of try to make us all aware that what is coming out of right now um, uh, our Centers for Disease Controls and some of our universities and the models that are coming out, um, especially based on what has happened in China and Italy, that this um, pandemic is just at the beginning stages, that we more than likely have a few months at least ahead of us of struggle and challenge. And not to mention that after all of that, my friends, we are likely looking at a significant world economic recovery that will take years. Like I said, I'm not in the business of creating fear. I just want to be honest with you so that you can prepare now for what it will take for you to be aware and honest as we navigate not just the next week, but the, the, the next month and navigating six months from now and 12 months from now. For some of us, we're going to go into a season where we're spending more time with our spouse than we have in the past few years. And generally, that brings out some of the tougher points within our marriages. And so I have a concern that some of us will find that we are distancing ourselves from those who maybe we should be closer to. Or our kids, for some of us parents especially, we're used to um, you know, having things for our kids to do. We're used to sports and tournaments and, and taking our kids to camps, especially during the summer. And now we're finding ourselves in a place where we are having to be a more apparent than we have maybe in many years past. And I think we have a tendency to then, over time, crumble in our relationships. We have a, a tendency to, as things get more emotional, to lash out at those we care about, our spouse and our kids, because of what's emotionally going on in the inside, especially as the world around us, maybe our career and our jobs are changing so significantly. And so I want to encourage you, the wise decision right now is to consider how going forward you can be tough and whether the storms ahead of you, the financial storms ahead of you, the addiction storms ahead of you, the isolation storms ahead of you, and being emotionally aware and honest with where you are. Now, I hope I'm wrong. I hope in the long term, in just a few weeks, this will all be over. 
But regardless of when it is, I believe you can be tough. I believe you can be emotionally honest. And I want to show you how that's done. In fact, I'm going to give you a model for how you can follow that. 2,000 years ago, um, uh, actually almost to the, to the year 2,000 years ago, in a place called Gethsemane, which is a garden just outside of Jerusalem, just outside the temple wall in Jerusalem, a man named Jesus walked in. He walked into this garden. And here's a picture of the modern-day uh, garden. And uh, there are olive trees. Those are the trees that you see here. These are not the olive trees from back then. Um, most of those did not survive. Um, but it is nonetheless a garden that you can go to today. And this man named Jesus was hours away from being arrested. He was hours away from some of the most and, and significant emotional and physical torture that he would ever endure. You see, this man, Jesus, claimed that he was the Son of God, sent from God to be the Savior to the world. That's what we as Christians believe. But the religious people at that time, the Jewish people in Jesus' community and around him, the, the religious leaders at the time, did not like that. They did not want to acknowledge that Jesus was the Christ or the Messiah, the chosen one come to save the world and to save them. And they didn't like that very much. And their solution was to kill Jesus. And Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that it was going to happen and that this was a part of God's plan for him to die for our sins and save the world. Now, here is Matthew's account. We're going to start in chapter 26. Um, and this is what Matthew had to say about this moment in Jesus's life. Then Jesus went with his disciples to the place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. So Jesus gets his closest disciples. The, the, at this time, there's only 11. And they walk into this garden. And Jesus says, I'm going to pray. He continues. He said, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, essentially his closest guys out of those 12. There was three that were the closest along with him a little farther off. And as they distanced themselves from the group, the three closest men saw Jesus began to be sorrowful, sorrowful and troubled. He began to have a deep sadness. His emotions, he did not approach his emotions with just stop it. He didn't approach his, motion, his emotions with just hide it. He didn't bottle up his emotions. He was aware of them and he was honest with them. And then he was going to do something that I think we forget to do all the time. He was going to, in a very profound way, unfilter all of his emotions and share them with God, the Father, creator of the universe. And I just want to suggest to you, and maybe this is not the God that you knew growing up, um, we'll, and we'll talk about that, but that this God, God the Father, God the Father can handle your unfiltered emotions. God, the Father, can handle it all. The people around you may not. And that's not their fault entirely, and it's not your responsibility necessarily entirely, though you need to be sensitive of it. But going into your relationships around you, especially when everybody's just feeling overwhelmed and stressed, recognizing that you have a Father in heaven that can handle all of your unfiltered emotions. That's what Jesus was going to bring 
to the table. To go into this honestly and say, I can't. I have pain. I have struggle. I'm troubled. And I'm letting you know, God, that I can't. Jesus was starting the toughest part of his life thus far with prayer. This is what um, he then puts into words, and Matthew documents it, but then this is what Jesus said next. He said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. In other words, every fiber of Jesus' being, every fiber was overwhelmed. Every fiber was overrun by the suffering he knew he was going to endure, the pain that awaited him. Now, I don't know what you know about Jesus or what you were raised to, to and were taught about Jesus, um, but sometimes I think uh, the God that we think exists um, is a God of very few emotions, like anger and judgment. Anger and judgment, or judgment and anger, some combination thereof. Or maybe sometimes they get together and God just has a heyday of judgment and anger. And that's the God we were raised to believe. But we as Christians believe that God, or Jesus specifically, was fully God and fully human. Which means when we see Jesus being overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, it is God being overwhelmed to the point of death. That is the depth of the sorrow that Jesus felt in this moment, which for some of you, and what you're facing down right now and in the coming months, that is what you too, to an extent, will be feeling. And it's an understandable emotion. God doesn't hide it. He doesn't stop it. He's honest about it. He processes it, and he prays about it. I want you to see what happens next as the story goes on. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground, so overwhelmed, and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. I don't want you to miss this. Jesus prays so honestly, so full of the sorrow and trouble that he feels, that he asks God, God to take this burden away from him, knowing, knowing that God is not going to save him, knowing that he's going to endure the suffering. He prays nonetheless, which I understand for some of you, you may be sitting there like, well, that just sounds like a really mean God, Taylor. Like, and I get it. If he asked you or asked me to do that, yeah, I could see where, to an extent, you could make an argument that he was a really mean God. But God isn't asking us to do that. You see, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his son, to die for us, to die for you and to die for me. That isn't a mean, angry, judgmental God so much as it is a loving, selfless, and compassionate God. I want us to look at this as our model. Looking at this moment as our model going forward and taking away hopefully at least two important takeaways from today. That one, emotional honesty and awareness does not neglect faith. Emotional honesty and awareness does not neglect faith. 
Some of you were raised that you did have to stop it. Some of you were raised that if you just had to have enough faith. And the problem with you and the problem with all these emotions you feel and the struggles that you felt was a faith issue. Your issue was that you just didn't have enough faith. And if you could have enough faith, it just pushed all those emotions out and you just need to grin and bear it until you can squeeze enough faith into your body to be okay. But what at least I take away from that passage is that God invites pain. He invites you to share your suffering. He invites you to ask questions and share your doubts and your struggles unfiltered. And not only does he invite that, he models it. He models emotional honesty and awareness while at the same time models faith. Now, I'm not saying, hey, please go out today, call up all your friends and just like overshare with all of them, okay? I'm not advocating for that. I'm advocating that you first begin with God. First begin with God. Because what did Jesus do? That's what he did. He went to the Father. God the Father can handle it. The people around you may not. I think in this moment, Jesus is one of the toughest people. I mean, I've heard people accuse Jesus of not being the Son of God. I've heard people um, say, in fact, myself, when I was an agnostic, um, a handful of years ago, I was an agnostic, then became Christian. As, as an agnostic, I accused um, God of, um, of Jesus not uh, existing or being the Son of God. I, I accused the Bible of not being authentic or having any authority. Um, but I would have never, and I don't think most people today that know Jesus and know a little bit about a story would ever accuse Jesus of being weak. This isn't weak. This is tough. Jesus wept when his friend, Lazarus, died. Even though he knew Lazarus was going to come back, he wept nonetheless. And in this moment that we're just talking about, Jesus had faith enough to continue forward and die for everyone. Paul, for example, Paul, one of uh, the um, apostles uh, and one of the gospel writers, not gospel writers, excuse me, uh, wrote a lot of the uh, New Testament. He inserted a number of churches. Uh, he suffered and he wrote about his pain and he wrote about his experience. Moses, many of us have heard of, of the man named Moses, had deep insecurities about himself and his ability to lead and care for people and speak for that matter. But none of those men gave up faith. They sh shared their emotional, on uh, they shared their emotions and their feelings and their doubts honestly and were aware of them, but they never neglected their faith. The second thing, or the other half uh, of this, is this part can also be a starting point of faith. For some of us, our starting point for faith, if you are already a Christian, was this moment when you got to the place in your life where you're like, I am just so broken. I'm so scared. I'm so out of control. I'm so worried. I'm so deep into doubt. And I don't want to live my life driven by fear anymore or worry. And you brought, brought those fears and those doubts before your Father in heaven. And that was the starting point of your faith. When you decided not to put faith in the things that were falling apart around you, like your 401k, like your career, like 
um, your family or whatever is going on in your life, that you bring those and put them before God. And you leverage that faith as a new strength to navigate and not supersede how you may be feeling your emotions, but to begin to put your trust in something that isn't going to change. Number two, emotional honesty and awareness prevents selfishness. It prevents selfishness. Um, A good example, going back to my my wonderful two-year-old, when she is flat on the floor upset about such a small thing, who is she drawing the attention to? Herself, entirely herself. And I'm not sure we exactly need that in the coming months. We need people, and we're going to talk about this next week and the week after, we need people who are going to go out and be selfless, safely, but selfless nonetheless. And if you're emotionally honest and aware, it prevents you from dipping in to selfishness. Jesus said it this way, not my will. Jesus didn't say, woe is me. Jesus didn't say, pity party me. Jesus said, I'm not going to be so selfish and I'm going to draw all the attention onto me. He had his closest guys around him and he walked away from the group and he let those emotions out honestly before them and his father in heaven. Don't you think that, that this would be a game changer? Just in your life, if the people that were around you, that were closest to you, approached the coming weeks and months with honesty and awareness and removed selfless, selfishness out of the equation. Some of us certainly have inconveniences coming in our future. Others of us have significant, life-altering, life-changing challenges ahead. We're going to need a whole bunch of people, maybe the church, the community of people that make up this body of Christ to go out and to be selfless. I realize many of us have maybe a pile of emotions going on inside. Find a platform, a quiet time to share those honestly and entirely first with your Father in heaven. And if you don't yet have faith, I understand that. You can still try it. In fact, I would encourage you just to try it for the rest of the week. Then join us back here next week as we talk about some other aspects of of toughness. But just try it and see what happens. See if God comes in. I think part of the reason um, that we uh, struggle with faith is, is to an extent we haven't even tried it. But this is second. This second part is so critical to make sure that we are moving forward, not selfishly, but selflessly. And I'd really encourage you to find a small group, if you don't already have one, of people around you that you can share these concerns and struggles with. My friends, in the days ahead, like I said, we're going to try to be here and encourage you and, and give a message of hope no matter what. But I would really encourage you to ask yourself, what, what person, what thing are you putting your faith in? Or maybe to self-examine your past, for an example, and consider what you have been putting your faith in. And is some of the fact that those things are crumbling away, that those things are falling away, leading to some of the emotional turmoil you're feeling inside? 
when all these things are shifting and falling apart is part of the reason that you feel so unsteady and unsure and questioning some things. Even those of you who are fantastic at putting on that tough faith face is part of the reason that you're experiencing that um, because you're not being honest with the emotions that you're having and you're not actually putting your faith in your heavenly father. You need to have that inner conversation. Maybe in the time that you spend with your spouse in the coming weeks, you could have that conversation and they could help be a bit of a mirror to reflect those thoughts and questions back at you. Remember that this model for our lives, because I think this is a model worthy of moving forward into these challenging times with this man named Jesus. Remember, he died for you. Not to shame you, but because he loved you. Not to condemn you, but to save you. And loves you so much, you are worth giving his life for. Over the next coming weeks, I, I hope that you will be able to give it your all. When it comes to your kids, when it comes to your family, when it comes to your friends, you need that. And your family needs that. And your friends need that. And your coworkers need that. And your employees, if you are a leader in an organization that's really struggling, they need that as well. Why not you turn your eyes and your heart and your mind to the rock that is Jesus who gave his life for you to give it your all because you have given your all to him. That you wouldn't try to have that inner dialogue and just tell yourself, stop it, stop it, stop it. That is not a long-term solution. But Jesus can be. Let's not process this alone either. In the, in the next uh, week or two, we're going to be starting some online digital groups. Even if it's your first time joining us online or connecting to us as a church, we would love for you to join us in being a part of those. Um, they're going to probably last maybe 12 or so weeks. and We'll have five to six people in each group, and you'll meet online and connect and have connection. Um, and, and not only that, but grow together. Why not do that? Why not digitally lock arms with the people around you that are going through the same exact things? Like we talked about last week in part four of our series, To the Future, we are in the same boat. And then um, I think maybe this week I will also, um, if you like our Facebook page, I'll be starting uh, a, a regular devotional time, like helpful thought time. Uh, and you can tune into that and follow along with that. We're going to try 10 days of it, I think, to start. And then we'll see where we're at at that point. But I'd love for you to join me in that in the days ahead. Because those healthy exercises, those healthy moments of putting your faith and contemplating some of these doubts and struggles will help you to be aware and honestly deal with the emotions that you feel. There are so many things ahead of all of us and so many emotions to feel ahead of us as well. But my hope is that we can turn to something that isn't going to change and loves us completely. If you wouldn't mind, wherever you are, in the car, but not in the car, not in the car. Um, but if you're not driving, um, if you would, close your eyes uh, and pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, Lord, I just thank you um, that you loved us so much that you didn't just solve our sin problem, but you came to teach us and show us 
and help us through some of the most challenging situations in our lives, giving us the tools that we can use to navigate moments like this where there is not a lot of experience to go around and talk about, hey, we've been through this before because most of us haven't been through this before, but yet that we can look to you for answers and clarity. Help us to make our model your son, Jesus, to put our faith there, to, to take a page out of Jesus's book of emotional awareness and honesty and saying to, um, and saying to him and to you, what we're going through and what we're feeling and what we're struggling with and give it the unfiltered thoughts that we just need to let off our chest and know that we can trust that you'll be there and you will help us through that. Lord, help us as a church to navigate the the coming weeks and, and months ahead that we would lean into connection, not just when times get desperate, but, but now, that we can start making those deposits and he- establishing healthy routines that help us to grow and be challenged, but be connected and find answers and grow in our faith. Father, help us all to navigate this well. Help us to navigate it with the saying that, that your son uttered on the, in that garden. Your will, Lord, be done. Your will, Lord, be done. In your name I pray. Amen.